2: you so much for tuning in to another segment of Spiritual Insights focusing on A Course in Miracles. Carol M. Howe, author of the biography of her close personal friend, Dr. Bill Seffert, entitled Never Forget to Laugh, Personal Recollections of Bill Seffert, co-scribe of A Course in Miracles, rejoins us once again to discuss her latest installment in her remarkable eight DVD series, See How Life Works, and today we'll be discussing See How Guidance Works. This DVD is one of the most remarkable explanations on how we embrace and how we deny and the reasons why we deny the guidance that we so desperately crave and pray for. So we are going to be discussing quite a few major concepts. Uh, a little bit about Carol. She is one of the first course students and one of the earliest course teachers. Grounded in science and research with decades of teaching and counseling experience, Carol is a world-renowned expert who will guide you in applying all of this material to all circumstances in your life. Carol, it is so great to have you back. I so look forward to our talks.
1: Me too. (laughs) We've always had such a good time, and this will certainly be no exception.
2: Uh, Well, I have to tell you, um, every time I uh, experience Your DVDs, because it's not just watching other people learn. It's an experience. Let's dig into this. How was your experience with creating this?
1: With this particular one or the entire series?
2: With this particular one in the series, and you can add the the whole series as a whole.
1: Okay. Well, this one was remarkable in many Mm -hmm. regards. First of all, as one might imagine, when we film these, My filming partner and our assorted staff people, my production assistants and other filming people and assorted other people, are there hours and hours in advance. So by the time we actually start to film, you know, unlike a great big production company where you've got somebody to do all that, we do everything. One of the most important things we do is to get the model set up, Mm. which is Really complicated particularly this one this of all of the models is the hardest one to set up and the one that should it not be done correctly would break be ruined and then that would be the end of that mm. because as you may or may not remember and you're listening public we hope will at some point be a viewing public so that you can see that this one has got what looks like a great big round wagon wheel
0: that's uh-huh. up on the
1: side. And then there are three tall, slender pieces of glass that fit into the middle of it and then on the top of it fits another one of these great big, heavy, round, wooden wagon wheel looking things from which much is suspended. We will, of course, be talking about what that is later.
0: Uh-huh.
1: But Having to put that together is very tricky. So we had to recruit everybody we could find. We had ladders and step stools and people and so on because you had to put those three pieces of glass in little slots and then they had to be fastened in. Then we had to put this wagon wheel thing on the top so that the top ends of these glass uh, three glass pieces Fit into the upper slots. Now, of course, my former partner, who helped me build these, always took care of this before, so I didn't have to think about any of that. So <laughs>
0: now,
1: of a sudden, that we are the reconstruction committee, so so to speak. Then this was another ball game, and it's the kind that if we didn't do it exactly right then those three pieces of glass would not support that top wagon wheel. The whole thing would have fallen apart and broken, and I don't know what we would have done. But happily, that didn't occur. And one of the reasons why it went together so well is that a time or two before that, the place where we were doing the filming, which is a, a, a big clubhouse of a very beautiful condominium, big development kind of thing, And the Homeowners Association had hired a new guard. And this was his second time being there, I guess. Now, what the guard was supposed to do is just unlock the door so we can get in, say goodbye, and leave, and then just show up when it's time to lock up after us. Uh So this was so caught up in what was going on that he didn't leave. And thank goodness, because we needed him, we needed every single person there to get this thing put together, and you could watch him be caught up in the spirit of we're all doing this together and having a wonderful time. I can't imagine what he might have told his family that night for dinner as to what he did that day, (laughs) but the other thing that was amazing about it is that because this building is not used on Sundays, which is when we did our filming. Uh And you walk into this building, and there's a lovely big kind of reception area, entrance hall or something, and then the room we used is over to the right with the Uh doors. And on this particular day, the fire alarm kept going off every few minutes. And we said, what's with this? Can we have this fixed? And they said, no, nope, nobody can fix it on Sunday. Well, which means, of course, it was not a priority for them to get it fixed on Sunday because no one is normally ever there. So okay. it kept going off. I mean, every few minutes, for hours, because we're there three or four hours ahead of time. And so sure. we thought, well, is this going to stop? What are we going to do? I said, can we just, can we just disable it? I <laughs> said, no, 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 you can't do that. The fire department would be right over here to find out why it was disabled. Mm. And as we get closer to the time to start to actually begin our filming, we said, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know what will happen if every few minutes there is a piece of fire alarm going off, because naturally fire alarms are designed to be heard everywhere. Yes. <laughs> because the- closed doesn't mean it wasn't supposed to be heard. So this very sweet guard said, I'll tell you what I'll do. Since we can't disable it, I will stand out next to it in this entryway. And after the first ring, when it first starts to ring, I'll punch a button or whatever you had to do to disable it so it wouldn't go on and on and on. Well, that was great, but that still wasn't going to solve the problem of when it went off for the first time. But we said, okay, we're going to just have to start, and things will have to be whatever they, they have been. I right. want you to know that after hours of this fire alarm going off, once we started to film, it never went off again.
0: <laughs>
1: just did not go off anymore. He stood out there the whole time and ended up not having to do anything because it. it he, he sat in a chair, actually. It just did not go off, and I thought have I just made this up because I was lecturing a year ago at some place in, in California and I was going to use this as an example. And I thought, I'm going to go back and listen to the audio. Naturally, we hadn't started editing a year ago. We were working on earlier ones. And I listened to the entire thing to make sure that I wasn't having some sort of a selective remembering. Right. Nothing on there. We didn't have to do a thing about it. I thought that was one of the most remarkable things I'd experienced in a long time.
2: It's fabulous. So
1: one of the things that was pretty amazing about the whole thing, the other one was, and of course this is discussed in the, <laughs> the video itself, Yeah. when we have all of our stuff stacked up out here, I mean, we've got model pieces, we've got boxes of all kinds of stuff, I've got books and other kinds of things, we've got all the cameras, we've got... All the stuff that goes along with all the cameras. So we have just giant piles of stuff. So uh, in this particular one, I'm using one of these swimming pool noodle things that at least anybody who's any place in the world where there's water knows about. You play with them in swimming pools and oceans and so on.
0: Mm -hmm. So I have
1: this thing sticking up out of one of my boxes of props. And my production assistant, Joan, comes up and she said, what's that are you going swimming? (laughs) I said no I'm using it for a crop and then I showed her what I had brought from my garage which was a bungee cord with a couple of F hooks I was going to hook it together to make it more or less round to replicate something that I was going to use this as an example for (laughs) and she said
0: do
1: you need a noodle connector? (laughs) I said well yes I wasn't sure that there was such a thing as a noodle connector? And she said, she, I said, yes, that would be great. And she said, I have one in the trunk of my car. i mm-hmm. never anywhere without my noodles and noodle connectors. And sure enough, she walks over to her car, brings back this connector thing, which of course is much more elegant than what I've got to put the thing together with. Right. She thought it was the funniest thing in the world. How many people travel with noodle connectors as an essential item in the trunks of their car
2: well i have a confession do you too (laughs) i don't have a connector i too i didn't know they existed either i don't i'm okay with just holding the noodle in free form but i have had two noodles in the trunk of my car for the past nine years i don't go anywhere without them
1: and I'm, I'm awash in people who, can't, and of course, I guess if any place you're going to find that, it's got to be in Florida. <laughs> so.
2: Well, I'm I'm not a strong swimmer. Um, I can swim, and but uh, for some reason, I have this um really unconscious reaction to deep water, and so I always have the noodles just in case because there's so many natural springs here, and you could spontaneously say, you know what, let's go to a spring, and I and I know the noodles there. I might not have snorkel gear, but I know I at least have one noodle, and I know I'll be safe. It's just a very deep safety, you know, mechanism. I
1: hear you. It's like a little security blanket in your car there. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh.
2: But I was well, laughing. Well, anyway, the day was just
1: yeah. filled with magical things like that. And, of course, the day was a lot of fun because these things are just a lot of fun to put together. So partly because I always know essentially, of course, the subject matter we're going to – cover, but, and I know what the model looks like that we're going to present, but you never know what anybody's going to say in the class Mm -hmm. or questions that anybody's going to ask or observations that they're going to make, so you can't know exactly what direction anything is going to go. So it's always like this big, wonderful mystery that we all get to uncover at the same time. It's really wonderful.
2: Yeah, it's like a synergistic dance with your energy and all the, all of your team's energy and then bring the participants in all that energy combined. And like you say in the DVD, there is never a time when you're not guided. And so now we're yes. in this space of ease and allowance, and so everybody's guided to say whatever they needed to say. And um, I liked that one at the end that got kind of colorful. I was like, Oh my, but, but, yes, it, it's just magic. It's, it's beautiful to watch it happen, and you can see those miracles unfold. Like with the last DVD, the platform was missing. And with this, you have, you know, the Course says that the ego de- determines size, and egos, even though there is no size, equal amounts of energy are responsible for each miracle. So you have the big sure. miracle of the alarm system and the small miracle of a noodle connector that you didn't know existed. But it looks, it looks perfect in the video, and it really – serve the purpose so it did did. let go and it all works
1: (laughs) that's the key let go and 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 not be involved in worry or concern or Mm -hmm. just know that somehow the right things are going to happen and it was always tempting in my earlier days of teaching. By this time, my earlier days was a really long time ago. (laughs) The earlier Mm -hmm. days I would finish something and think, darn, I forgot to say this, you know, some topic that I thought was really important. It's like, how could I have left that out? And then I realized, I don't have to worry about that. If it was Mm -hmm. left out, it's because something else needed to be put in. Mm -hmm. And so it was really nice when I, as I, matured enough in my own teaching that I didn't go back and do that Monday morning quarterbacking thing. Like, why didn't I do this? Or why did I do that? It's like whatever happens is whatever wanted to happen. End of story. Appreciate it. Enjoy it. And move on to what's next.
2: Absolutely. And I'm the same way where I do like structure. I like like, like a loose outline of what I'm going to talk about. But then once you get to the podium, you just throw the notes away. And allow it to flow through you, and it winds up perfect. It takes on a life of its own. It happens exactly. with the DVDs. It happens every time I'm on the air. It really does. And once you trust that, you don't. You don't. There's nothing to worry about.
1: You know. No. And you really do have to trust that. I don't believe that someone who hasn't had a great deal of teaching experience, you know, with just being in so many different kinds of circumstances, would probably dare do this, because this this is an expensive, time-consuming endeavor, and we have one shot at it. In other words, whatever two hours or so we film is what we've got. It's not like we film 100 hours and then take the two we like the best kind of thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we just have to know that somehow it's going to work out,
2: and it always does. It always does, and it worked out beautifully. And with regard to intuition, now I'm getting images of students in the past from my classes and just conversations with people even outside of a discussion of A Course in Miracles and people who think they don't have intuition or they don't feel that they're guided and they feel kind of um, tossed at sea, you know, that kind of feeling that life is happening to them. And I love that this topic um, gets to the core of that, But I also like how you begin by talking about um, the comparison of spiritual practices and different religions. You quoted Dr. Roger Walsh, who was a pioneer in transpersonal psychology. Um, Mm -hmm. I had never heard of him, but I would love to read his work. But just talking about the different religions and the commonalities in what they teach, the four pillars. Do you want to talk about that for a moment?
1: We can. You know, they all are involved with attentional training, um, getting our emotions in line, dealing with the intellect. In other words, dealing with all parts of us as we um, become more integrated and through those various paths of devotion and the intellect and service and whatnot, you know, the main yogas. And in various religions, different ones of those are stressed and they and they all stress as I say the intellectual understanding, the ethical training, the attentional training, the um, emotional um, maturing so to speak and they have one thing in common which is to reach that transcendent state You know to reach and you think you mean all religions even those we haven't even heard of before at their core before the intellect of man gets in there and makes up a bunch of stuff and adds on top of it, so to speak, but the core of all of them is to reach a transcendent state, to get beyond the thinking mind. The thinking mind is a huge addiction. Yes. It keeps us from accessing that silence within us. But I think Roger is a Wonderful, brilliant man. He said he was a very good friend of Bill's and a good friend of mine when we I used to spend a lot more time in California when Bill was alive and mm-hmm. we used to sit we used to just love to sit down and talk about the course. <laughs> Bill and I, interesting enough, didn't talk much about what the course said. We had a lot of other things to say to one another, but mm-hmm what it said and he knew what it said and we each knew the other knew what it said so like what's to talk about but roger and i <laughs> love to discuss what it said <laughs> and he he's a, a brilliant wonderful man and anything he has written about the course is just the overview things is, is very profound but this idea that we can't reach a sense of joy we can't reach what it is we're attempting to reach until the mind becomes quiet or or transcends the thinking mind. That's what a transcendent state means. And Mm -hmm. it's wonderful to know that there are people down through the millennia who recognize that's essential. There's no way you can follow your guidance while your mind is a noisy mess. Right. You can't hear anything. And there are people who say, I don't have guidance. Everybody has guidance. It's going on all the time. And, of course, the Course says very profoundly, your guidance is just as loud as your desire to hear it.
2: Absolutely. When you're
1: very involved with your own ego and your own sense of self-preservation and your own Mm -hmm. sense of ego promotion, so to speak, you're not going to hear it because... You don't want to. (laughs) You're you're busy hearing what you want to hear. Right. But it's like two different radio channels. You know, you just tune from one end to the other.
2: And what people, um, and it takes practice. Everything takes practice. But in order to get to that space, you have to recognize that thoughts um, have no meaning. And in order to transcend what I like to call the maniacal voices of the ego, because it's so loud inside our heads. And until you get to a, a point where you can really sit back with detached awareness and observe the different types of thoughts that you have, only right. then can you recognize those thoughts that do not create, but those that only are counterproductive and prohibitive to growth. And you, you talk about, you know, the goal, of course, is completion and wholeness. That's what we all strive for, but we Absolutely. don't understand that we have to quiet the mind and to do that because it's always going to be there we must transcend it and that in itself takes practice
1: and you know what it's amazing how much that is not known because way back a long time a long time ago when I'm realizing I started realizing as a little girl and I think we've talked about this before and you had the same experience I thought something's not right here something is missing here that's before I was old enough to even go to school right so I was on my what is the problem here and why doesn't it feel right for a really long 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 time Mm -hmm. and what I did not realize because I would have no way of realizing because I wasn't some sort of a spiritual child prodigy I guess is that I kept looking for information I I I didn't know there was such a thing as a non-thinking state, you know, as a young person.
2: Mm-hmm. And so
1: I presumed, well, what I am missing is information. So I went on my quest to find out what is that missing piece of information. And of course, I finally realized I'm not, not only am I not missing information, I have way more information than I need.
0: Mm. It's now
1: the matter of letting all of this thought go. And it was not until, of course, then I discovered about meditation and so on and so forth and the possibility of entering into those other kinds of states. But I think, well, there there're going to be people all over the world, millions of people who have no idea that the way they're approaching trying to make their lives work out better is going in exactly the opposite direction that's called for. They're looking yeah. for in. They're looking for stuff. They're looking for something outside themselves rather than a quietness in their own minds.
2: Yes, and this part of the DVD was beautiful because it, because it, it touched on the state of being versus the state of doing. And what we're looking for are solutions. We're looking for something to do to fix the, uh, to rearrange the furniture of our lives to make ourselves feel better. And we have to go right. within. And the only way to truth is through silence. The, That's It's right. funny, you mentioned, you know, you had all this information and you looked for answers. And, of course, I did the exact same thing. When I was around seven, I'll say seven, um, late, maybe seven and a half, eight years old, I learned that if I went up into my bedroom and laid down and tried not to think of anything, I called it clearing my mind. And I would do that, and I would just tune. I just tried to tune all the noise out, like, you know, police sirens and whatever was going on. But I had to tune that stuff out, and if I could put myself in a little bubble, then I could just let time pass without paying attention to it, and then it would all be over. You know, we had a lot of trouble in the home. But, yes. But, you know, that's, a, that's a, to look back and say, you know what, that was probably the best thing I could have done for myself rather than develop a habitual way of thinking with negative connotations that things will never get better and the things we tell ourselves and all of that negative self-talk, you know?
1: That was a brilliant thing to do, and you were obviously following your own guidance at that point. In other words, to necessity is the mother of invention kind of thing. You were Mm. in need of some way to calm yourself, and so it presented itself. Yeah, you know, what you wish, needed at that age, at that time, was there.
2: Yes, I just wish I had followed that every single time. But like I said, it takes practice. Now, in the DVD, at the tail end of the conversation about how um, the religions were compared and found to have those four pillars, um, the four basic paths, um, as well service, love, intellect, and meditation, it stated beautifully how a course of miracles for the first time, because most of those religious concepts were passed down orally through, yes. uh, through the eras and generations until finally disciples or followers would write it down, and then you have it in the first person, then the next person has their take on it. So, of course, um, you state error crept into the oral traditions as they were passed down through the ages, but now for the first time, in the first iteration of A Course in Miracles, it weaves together all four, of those and it's basically the fast track to awareness and I love the way that's stated because it's the absolute truth
1: and I and I think it's astounding too to realize that down through the thousands of years each of these other things has been emphasized more than another in the various religions which has just been perfectly fine but that's what makes this work so profound and so rich in its possibilities is it weaves all of them together it's like ah if this path works if that path works we'll use all of them and as one might imagine the more i know about this material and how it's put together the more astonishing it becomes. This is definitely not a case of familiarity breeds contempt. (laughs) This is familiarity brings with it a greater sense of amazement that this could have come together the way it has.
2: And although there's been a
1: tiny little bit of, you know, copyright messing around and so on, all of that really doesn't matter because the great bulk of it remains unchanged throughout all of them. And we certainly hope that that remains the case. But the idea that we have something firsthand and not a two or three or four or five thousand year old oral tradition, all you have to do is, you know, the old telephone gossip game that we used to play when we were kids. All you have to do is have one person repeat a story to two or three other people and they all add their little spin and they Mm -hmm. add their little, not even realizing they're doing it, but just the choice of words they use or the emphasis they put on something which comes from their own specific experience. And in no time at all, you have a really garbled version of what the first person said.
2: That's that's funny you said that because I was talking about that uh, yesterday with someone. And how people, you know, they 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 take it in with their perception, and then it kind of transmutes according to their um, belief system. And then when they in the retelling, there's always a little adjustment made. So when the first person starts it, by the time it gets around the circle to the last person, it's a completely different story, and completely right. untrue. Um, well, and it's so you can imagine
1: what has crept in in two or three thousand years. <laughs> People translating things in different languages, from different cultural points of view, from the places of different things, the the priorities of things are different. And you think, it's amazing that we have anything comprehensible at all. Yes. It really is. But the nice thing now is we can go directly to our own source, which resides within us. <laughs> we don't need to worry about this anymore once we realize that's the case. And that's a very exciting thing, too. Oh, my gosh, I carry my source with me wherever I go. Like I have exactly. my own Encyclopedia Britannica. Exactly.
2: So it's, it's comforting it. to know this. And the reason I, you know, my deep appreciation for A Course in Miracles is that it's reliable. And I do find that other religious texts, I, I see them as manuals for life, so to speak, but I see A Course in Miracles as a roadmap of the mind. And that helps me more infinitely because that was my biggest struggle, was the, what, everything that was happening inside my mind is what tortures me more than the outside world.
1: So this
2: oh. helps me disentangle all of those thoughts and impressions and images and memories.
1: And, of course, I'm sure what you're very clear about is that the world you live in mimics that inner state of mind. So that if one ever wants to know what your state of mind is, just look at your world and what's in it, and there you have it. And, Mm -hmm. of course, what also um, is wonderful about the course, and not unique to it, but wonderful about it because it combines so many paths, is this is not just about how to have a wonderful life and get your way. In other words, it's not just about having everything run smoothly and just so that basically your ego would be delighted with everything that goes on. It's about waking up. It's about getting to that place where, as it speaks about, we come first to what it calls the real world, which is, we're still alive, quote, unquote. We're still on the planet as we understand the planet. We still are in the world of form. We still are associated with bodies and we've got trees and houses and kids and cars and everything else, but mm-hmm. we've come to a place where we don't need anything from any form. We've stopped being idolaters. Mm. Because Uh when you think about it, if I feel like I've got to have this person or I've got to have this job or I've got to have all these people behave the way I want them to behave, we're basically saying I'm not complete or I'm lacking in some way until I get whatever it is I'm supposed to get from this person or this situation or this job or this circumstance, whatever it may be. And the awful part about that that we don't realize is, and this actually jumps a tiny little bit forward to the last DVD, which we're editing right now, but Mm -hmm. people know, at least are familiar with the language of quantum physics these days. And we know that the quantum field is kind of the unmanifest uh, area out out of which we become manifest. In other words, the favorite language is that energy can be either a wave or a particle and it depends upon the observer as to which one it is. And so from the quantum physics point of view, people talk about the wave, the unmanifest energy, collapses into the particle, i.e. the manifest world that we appear to live in. Mm. And we are constantly, moment by moment, directing the quantum field as to how we're to show up. And if we're in this idolater mode, so to speak, of feeling like, well, I'm not complete without this person, place, thing, idea, vacation, piece of jewelry whatever it is
0: we're constantly
1: declaring to the quantum field I'm lacking I don't have enough I'm not whole I'm not complete and the quantum field just says okay whatever you say I'm dishing this up to you yes and and it does and I, I there's a wonderful article written by a, a young physicist that's called something like proof that the body is a holographic Image or something where he says what I have heard before and I find utterly fascinating is we are constantly blinking off and on, so to speak. We're constantly oscillating between being in the unmanifest state and in the manifest state, and we do that at a rate of about 1,044 times per second. So half of a, every half of a second, we're not here in terms of the manifest world. We're in our yeah. unmanifest. And every time we might say blink back on, the quantum field is saying, how do you want things to be when you blink back on? And if we keep saying, well, I'm not whole, and I don't have this, and I'm not okay without that, and I'm missing this, that's the directive you're giving to the unmanifest part of you to say, this is how I want things to manifest and I show back up at the level of the particle instead of the wave. And we need to take that to heart, that we are constantly directing what our life experience is going to be depending upon whether I decide I'm whole or not. Mm. So the real world is that we can be directed to is, I'm still here in time and space. I still have all these forms that I'm dealing with but I don't need anything from any of them, and thus I am free. Don't you think that's a great idea?
2: I think it's absolutely fabulous, and, I, and I'm searching my mind. I do see evidence of a lot of people getting this. Perhaps they don't have the vocabulary to articulate it, but I loved um, the idea where in the DVD you mentioned how the course refers to money as discs and strips of paper. But many yeah. of us, what we do is we determine the value of our experiences based on the amount of money in our bank accounts. And more and more, I think we're learning to go the more peaceful route and really enjoy the quality of the experience and not put a price tag on it to give it value.
1: Absolutely. You that too? And the and the idea that you know my guidance, my intuition it always comes from that real, reliable, omnipresent, you could call it the unmanifest state, whatever you want to call it, it's coming from reality with a capital R and is always going to lead me in the right direction. As I mentioned somewhere in, I think in this DVD, I'm not sure, that when I started building these models 20 years ago, I, I was in the habit at that particular time because of what my schedule was like. Around 4 o'clock in the afternoon, I would just go have a seat in my family room and just listen with no agenda other than I'm just going to sit down and listen and see what happens. And it didn't matter what happened. I was just going to do that. And I remember the day that it's it's not like another voice talking to me, but it's it's like an awareness. I don't know how to describe it. Everybody probably has some version of the same thing. And it was almost a directive like build something that will help people see how the things they believe about themselves and the things they have not taken ownership of creates the personal universe that they live in, i.e. the relationship model. And I thought, okay, and... So I got up a little bit later and it just sort of all came the idea of doing that puzzle, which of course is the is featured in the third D V D and and so I went through a lot of iterations of that. I had to figure out what kind of material to use. It had to be different kinds of plexiglass and and you know, the static cling vinyl and different colours and what can I write on and what can I not write on? So all of these in the R&D division are sort of expensive because I keep buying different stuff to see what's going to work and what isn't.
2: And that mm-hmm. happened
1: with all of the models. I, I didn't anymore have any intention of building models than I did of jumping off the roof. And, but each one came as I found myself trying to paint a mental picture for somebody who was asking a question right and right with each one of them i would think i could build that model yes i could build this i could see how this and so they all came that way and so that was all just strictly intuition or guidance not -hmm. anything i had on my agenda and yet that's what happened and at the time, I was in a long-term relationship with a man who was a brilliant genius when it came to building stuff like that. Okay. I mean, I just can't imagine another person in the world who, who had the skill, not only the building skill, the engineering skill. He was a general contractor by trade, but he also was a physics major in college. And he had an ability to do elegant designing.
0: So we would have
1: these long conversations about, this is what I want to accomplish. Mm -hmm. This is what has to happen. You know, this has to fall down in this hole, or this has to fly up in the air, and it has to be done this way, and then we would go off and just go to Home Depot and craft stores and all kinds of places and buy up materials and start experimenting. And often the first experiment didn't work. It's like, okay, well, that particular piece of, I don't know, lumber or plexiglass, that isn't going to work. So now
0: mm.
1: now we know what doesn't work, so now we're going to have to go back to the drawing board. In other words, it was so obvious that of all the people in the world with whom I needed to be partnered during that time, he was it to get these Mm -hmm. things modeled because a lot of parts of these things that people can't see are elegantly and amazingly designed so that it all works. Yes. And then it was time for that to be over. And so then... In comes, and everybody's named Robert, which makes it terribly confusing. I was m- married to a Robert, and then this guy was a Robert, and my current mm-hmm. partner is a Robert,
2: so. Uh-huh, I noticed.
1: <laughs> that is. So, in any event, here he comes along with exactly the kind of skills that need to be for this phase. He wouldn't know what to do with a hammer and a screwdriver. But he's brilliantly good at artwork and editing and filming and web design and all of the stuff that has to be done at this stage. And you think, anybody who looks at the scope of your life and you see how all the right people and places and situations are always there at the right time, how could you not get how much we are guided? Even when you don't realize you're following guidance, somehow we're getting guided despite ourselves. <laughs> right, right. And with regard to the,
2: to the models, the, the original inspiration for the model is the metaphor that you're trying to illustrate for the students. It's yeah. like a matter of working backwards to find the right materials that when put together in its final stage, properly represent that metaphor. And
1: exactly. even that
2: process is an example of what we're talking about with the rest of our lives. In every area of our lives, if we do this, just look at the inspiration as, okay, that'll be the end result. Now I have to work backwards. And exactly. And for my body as the tool and learning device that it is to get myself there and unite with that future self, so to speak.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's kind of like okay, this is what it has to look like when it's finished. Now we need to reverse engineer it engineer it here in time and space and think, how in the world did we get started? <laughs> where do we even begin? Right. Uh, like well, I remember one lady came up to me somewhere, I don't know, a long time ago, and she said, where did you buy those models? <laughs> and I thought, where did I buy these models? Well, I didn't buy these models. <laughs> we invented these models. It's like, well, I just ordered them from the model store.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, it just, you know, I I have an innate, innate arts and crafts inclination. So when teamed up with the right team member for yeah. what happen at any given time, it just has worked out, but in any event, the the importance of this particular model, where it shows all of those words and pictures hanging down from the top wagon wheel, if you want to call it that, that represents all the mess in our minds. Mm. I think it very effectively represents all the mess.
2: You covered everything um and, and and even in the dvd you as you we can see everything that it says even if you didn't get to mention each representation exactly of a thought but i could see oh i do that or you had the blame shame guilt the um what, the image of the assassin and exactly. i can't i shouldn't but i love the part where you know and it's so it's so um fascinating and fun and for us this is just fun, but just the realization and the, and you went through this in building the models, so I, I'd like for the listeners to understand how this could relate to their lives, and that that is that the concept that all of our needs are provided and like for me, for teaching tools, I'm not inclined to go search out materials and build something. My favorite tools were just using suitcases. And then when I was teaching Shadows of the Past, I found one of those medical um, skeletons that they use in medical school. It's just a skeleton, and I've, that may, I made great use of that for one class. But all of our needs are provided, so whatever I needed was already there for me to teach with. And yeah. you came upon what you needed to manifest what you were guided to bring forth. Talk Absolutely.
1: about
2: how and and you mentioned the noodle connector. At this point how that just showed up um but so let's talk about how needs are provided but we block them by not listening to our intuition or rejecting from the ego what we think doesn't match what we need
1: well because the ego get, unfortunately claims most of our attention and it basically says I need this I need this I need this and as long as I am associated with that ego mind I'm going to think its needs are mine and then I will be subservient to it in trying to accomplish that. And part of, of course, the purpose of the course is to disidentify with the ego. So it, when it goes, I need this and this and this, you can go, Oh, really? <laughs> you do? Well, I don't, but but you do. And so we we begin to disidentify with that programming, which is all it is in our minds, and realize I'm something besides my programming. You know, I exist as an awareness or a presence that's more than just my learned programming, which is, of course, all in place and operative until I begin to let it go and mm-hmm. and habitual. It, yes, our habitual ways of of thinking about things and mm-hmm. but the that sense that oh and I think that when you're first beginning or when this is a newer idea, it's almost like you have to make listening for your guidance a more formal operation, almost like I've got to sit in my chair and now I'm going to have to ask and say, please, I would like to hear what I need to do or how I need Mm -hmm. to think or how I need to regard this, because guidance is primarily about the way we regard things and not what we do. Sometimes it's information about what to do, but it's primarily it's our state of mind or the or the way we see things and right. but what happens later on as you become more trusting of that it's as if your intuition is more or less operative all the time, and you don't have to make a special request for it to show up mm-hmm. but the 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 more guilt you feel, the more noise in, in the mind, the more you mo- almost have to set aside and make this a separate enterprise but the ideal is is that pretty soon you just run your life uh, being aware of that uh, I don't know what you would call it just being aware that your intuition just points you in this direction as you make this turn in other words it's just that's just it just becomes that built-in GPS system so to speak yes. that just you in the right direction and I think the more obviously the more clear the mind the more we can get the noise and the worry and that's all about me and how am I going to get my way and uh how am I going to get all these other people to do what I want them to do the more that settles because it's so unbelievably boring then the more that guidance that's really always there always talking to us, always making its presence known, just becomes the norm. And that's a really, really nice way to live.
2: What I tend to do...
1: Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, it's like I... every And I've spent a long, 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 long time living that way. You know, every time I go have a psychic reading or a whatever other kind of reading, you know, mm-hmm. your handwriting or something, they all come up with the same thing, which is the most obvious thing about you is your intuition. Yes. And so I have learned great to have great faith and trust in my intuition. If something right. doesn't feel right, I don't care how alluring it can be, intellectually, you know, like, well, here are all the intellectual reasons why this should work, but if it doesn't feel right, end of story. We won't do right. it.
2: I'd just like to add, you know, a lot of us, we, and I say us collectively because we all do it at one point or another, but a lot of times when we think, oh, I'm stuck or I don't have a solution to this problem, I don't know what to do, and we don't adopt an attitude of joy in the process so that when we do ask for that guidance, and if we come from a place of fear, just that fear alone creates so much static where you can't hear whatever guidance comes through. But I know that we, a lot of us have a tendency to say, and please speak loudly and clearly. You get around my ego. I don't want to have to quiet my ego down or those voices or those fears. But I want you to try harder, speak louder, and make this easy for me. And yeah. this is where people get tripped up. You have to have a sense of joy. You have to be open to the truth of the answer that's right for you, because it's coming from a variety of sources. The Holy Spirit, God, your higher self, who's in accordance with both. And you have to be able to be willing to look at those things and willing to change, but you have to be willing to follow that guidance. They will keep trying. You do,
1: and that guidance so often for so many people, certainly for me, sometimes it's information and or a combination but it's that feeling tone it either feels like a yes it feels like an uplift it feels like or it doesn't if it feels flat and i've said so often to people people will say people just don't listen to me and they're very disturbed by that and they feel like they're dismissed or nobody takes them seriously or whatever and so we'll have a little conversation that might run something like, Well, have you ever been in a situation where somebody asked you to go to a concert or someplace, it doesn't matter where, and you didn't really especially want to. In other words, you didn't it wasn't a real up response inwardly. But you thought, I don't really want to, but I guess I should, or I guess I will, because I don't really have anything else to do, and why not? I don't want to hurt their feelings, and so on. And so you go, and in in contradiction to what your feeling state is, and then you think, well, then it turns into basically a lose-lose situation because you are not listening to yourself. So that when people complain about how other people don't listen to me, then we have to have a conversation about, okay, now let's revisit this. Who is it that's not listening to you? You know, here you've got divine guidance impressing Mm -hmm. itself upon you through the way you're feeling about something, and, and you go, no, I won't listen to that. I mean, you may not couch it in this language, but it's basically you let your programming of, I've got to be a nice person, I can't hurt hurt anybody's feelings, and blah, 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 Mm -hmm. win out over the promptings or the directive from your own guidance. Well, no wonder you don't feel listened to. There we are, constantly not listening to the divinity of ourselves. How could you feel like you're listened to when you so routinely don't listen to yourself. Does that make Absolutely.
2: sense? Absolutely. It makes perfect sense. What I like to think of it in terms of, and there is feeling associated with, but as you work with your intuition, as you look around for signs, be it a random statement from a stranger or three strangers saying the same thing over a period of time, and you say, okay, that's God talking to you, or signs from nature with um, which um, huge, traffic patterns, mm-hmm. here's the feeling I've grown familiar with, is that I'm in a happier state when I'm content. Picture flying an airplane. If you're the pilot, you're in control of the craft, and you're responsible for handling any type of turbulence. If it crashes, you're responsible. If it goes too high, you're responsible. So I'm happy to put my intuition in the pilot seat, and I will simply be content with co-pilot knowing that I'm putting my life circumstances in the best capable hands. Does that make sense?
1: It makes every bit of sense in the world.
2: And I'm Because much you can
1: before. rest assured that your own divine guidance is a much better resource to call on than our learned programming. Right.
2: <laughs> and I have no reason to worry.
1: So no, no contest. Reason, right.
2: <laughs> and there's no worry. I have no reason to make a decision. All I need to do is ask. Is it a yes? Is it a push? Is it a hold back? And in a DVD, I, it, it made me laugh because there's another sensation one participant was saying they had an urge to say something but something was holding them back another person was holding themselves back but didn't want to take their shirt off that nice young man yes 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 yes, yes. there's a distinct feeling of are you trying to stop it or is something trying to stop you Uh and it was like okay now I have to try to come up with words to describe how that feels but that's the best I have right now
1: is exactly. it's,
2: if you have an, an urge, almost like, um, what's the word? An, an, I want to say something nicer than vomit. <laughs> like if mm-hmm. if something feels like it's trying to leap out of your mouth and you're trying to hold it back, that's one sensation to pay attention to. But if if you're calculating in your mind, looking for an opportunity to say what you want to say, as in the woman who waited until the car was maneuvered in such a way, and she wanted to give somebody a compliment and was met with rejection. But if you're calculating a moment where you can say what you're planning to say, but something keeps getting in the way, that's where it's like, don't say it. Yeah. There's two distinct sensations with that. I, I, hopefully, I can come up with better words in the future.
1: No, it's very—it's a very internal process. But pretty soon, you begin to have complete trust in your own way of your guidance presenting itself to you. And the the best way that I can describe it is something either feels flat to me or there is life and energy and enthusiasm in it. So mm-hmm. even if it isn't huge, I can tell the difference between flat and un, kind of like there's no life in it or there is life in it. And one right. of the things... So important for people to get, and we do make this point in the DVD, is that sometimes there's an early lesson that says sometimes the Holy Spirit will lead you into fear, lead you directly into fear, but don't worry, you won't be left there. Right. And there, there are all of us who have had times where something has presented itself, it's felt really right, and we say yes, and we get into it, And then something that from an ego's point of view is very upsetting, very disappointing, very unexpected occurs, and then the temptation is to say, darn, I could have sworn that my guidance was to do this or go there or buy that or whatever it might be. Uh But when it doesn't have an immediate happy outcome then we second-guess ourselves and we need to stop that because yes. if the following guidance leads you into is some big learning about how you've treated yourself that has been not the right thing to do or some big realization that you've had to have about your own programming and how it's gotten in its way that's not your guidance being off course that's your guidance leading you directly into fear, but not leaving you there. Yes. But a lot of people think that if they don't have this lovely, happy outcome immediately to their guidance, like, well, gee, this is unreliable guidance. No, it isn't. It's always reliable guidance. And that that's was a crucial, very... Important.
2: Yeah, that's a crucial point to make. And the notes I made for that section... Where you were um, talking about that, you know, following intuition, and something bad happens, where the outcome isn't favorable, and so the note I wrote is it's nearly impossible to move into the good without brushing against misguided concepts in order to address them, and that's what the holy—that's Sp- what you're saying—that the Holy Spirit will guide you into the fear, simply so that you can look at it, see that it's nothing, and let it go.
1: You, you, you because we've—if it's leading you into a big chunk of your unproductive, old, in-the-way programming that has got to go, it's got to get your attention one way or the other. I had some clients and friends who moved to Colorado uh, a number of years ago, and I did some counseling with them as they were making this really big decision. It had partly to do with the age their daughter was at that time, but they kept saying, we want to go to We just feel like we want to go to Colorado, and, you know, should we, shouldn't we, or whatever. So we went through this process, and so they ultimately decided that their intuition was to go. Right. And so off they went. A couple of years later, you may or may not remember, people who don't live out in that part of the world might have any recall of this at all, But a very unusual thing happened. They moved to Boulder, Colorado, up out to the northwest of Denver, and Boulder is built right up against the foothills, so that as you go out of town on the west-hand side, you start driving uphill pretty steeply into the foothills, and there's some gorgeous houses built up there. Well, they bought one of those gorgeous houses, and this forest fire started further north, combined with these un, unusual and unbelievable, almost hurricane-force winds and burned up a lot of stuff, including their house. Wow. And when I found out on the news that this stuff was happening up in this particular canyon where, that I knew was close to where they lived, a couple of days later, I called. And she said, I wondered when I'd be hearing from you. She said, our house burned to the ground. And this was a very expensive house. About a four level house, you know, that looked out over a beautiful view and so on. Yes. And she said Her husband and daughter were in San Diego at the time. She was looking at colleges and she and I don't remember now if somebody knocked on her door or called her up but said, Leave instantly. The fire is quickly on its way to you. She grabbed her dog And she had had the presence of mind to have some sort of a lockbox thing, you know, where you have your most valuable papers. She grabbed her dog, her computer, her box of stuff, and ran out the door, and that was it. Every single other thing they owned was burned to the ground. There was not a thing left of that four-story building except the door, the step that went into the front door. It was concrete and somehow didn't burn. Wow. and they were so appropriate about the way they handled this. You know, a lot of people would have said, "What's well, the big idea. I thought this was my guidance to move me to Colorado. And why did this horrible thing happen and blah, blah, blah. She said, this has been the most amazing experience for us because when you suddenly have lost everything, everything, then... It gives you an amazing perspective and you could start all over again yeah so I was so proud of them I mean they lost no time at all I mean obviously they were grieving and continued to do their grieving but next to their grieving was this amazing deep mature realization that this is why we had to come to Colorado so that every could go yeah, to get the and that's place. an extreme example, but it's a very important example about they were excited about going and they loved it out there and they were glad they went and then this happened. Mm. So I mean, and that's not uncommon. I've had experiences of being led to some place and then having something be very disappointing or upsetting or whatever, and realizing it could not been otherwise. I had to have something that was sufficiently extreme to force my attention to look at how I really believed about something about myself. Yeah. Because I, you can't go on to do the next level of work you're going to do while you've still got that old garbage floating around in your mind. It's just got to go. Yeah. <laughs> There's just, it's, it's about it. Uh, that
2: ha- That's happened to me so many times and it all went back to do I feel worthy of succeeding beyond the level that my parents achieved? So these miracles would fall into my lap, and you're familiar with the way they fall into my lap. These miracles would just arrive and fall into my lap, and then nothing would come out of it except a disappointment, and then I had to sift through there and, and, and do my homework. And so some miracles... That is the miracle. When you can sit and identify and face a fear and say, okay, I'm willing to let this go. I'm willing to move into acceptance and embrace change and accept that, be- that better way of doing things. There, there's got to be a better way. And you get so tired of the struggle and that negative tape playing in your head that it gets you to the point, which is the miracle. It gets you to the point where you're willing to accept a better way of thinking, being, and then doing.
1: That that's the key. In other words, if you remember that miracles are just that shift in perception, the shift in the way we see things so that we could see that this is a loving thing that's happening and not a horrible thing that's happening. You know, it's that exactly. constant reframing of what's going on. And if we could reframe ahead of time, everything is always happening in our best interests. How yeah. nice it would be if we could just remember that as... A matter of course mm-hmm. <laughs> but yes we're being we're being led in ways that we can't fathom and we have help in ways that we can't fathom and we're just you know most of us are blind to that and that's okay we just open up to it however much we can open up to it at any given mm-hmm. time and we do our practicing and we do our moving forward and little by little the appeal of all of that thinking and busyness and so on can little by little by little drop away. And as the model shows, the more the noise drops away and we may find all the fear that's underneath it, which of course it is, and the reason why most people don't want to be quiet, they don't want the cessation of thought Because one of the things they become aware of is the things that they're afraid of, the things that they feel, the guilt that they feel, and yet that all goes too. But it can't go if you won't deal with it. It can't go if you won't acknowledge that it's there. And so as that all goes, the thoughts and the fear that the thoughts hide all go as a package deal, so to speak, ultimately. And then finally you're left with that amazing realization that the light that was hidden underneath all of that was there all the time. That's really what I am. Not all of this surface form, so to speak.
2: And it's,
1: it's, it's the goal toward which we move. In other words, the awakening to the reality of that, that we are way more than form and form is just how we're doing things right now, but that's not the truth of what we are. That's not the wholeness of what we are. And yet, I think there are so many people who have set themselves the course on a course that they can't get off of now. I mean, I guess you could, but who would want to? And where the fear is being addressed the old guilt, the old unconscious stuff is coming up to be looked at and to be let go of so that as collectively more and more people are able to start even the tiniest little bit of experiencing themselves as light or considering that they're way more than the boundaries in which they've lived up to this point, then this great collective shall we say, gathering of souls who are willing to do this and are on the path to doing this, waking up, I I just think it's very exciting. It's very trying. It's very troubling. It's very upsetting in many ways as we go through this final clean-out stage. And yet, what else do we want to do? And
2: it's so worth it. It really is. I love how you state in that um, section of the DVD where you're talking about um, how we're never not guided, um, several quotes from the Course were read out loud, Um, you talked about the function of the Holy Spirit, but what I really appreciated is the, the way you express, and you had mentioned no needs are ever denied, and one of the things you stated was it's provided when it's about life and not the form, which is what you were just referring to. And when it's about purpose, not about appeasement, yes. that is when we can then, if we cooperate with the process and acknowledge that our needs are met and that we're always guided, that is when we have the, the biggest proof of the ability to co-create. Am I Absolutely, saying that?
1: because that knowledge that I're, I always have what I need. Is informs the quantum field. In other words, we have to keep remembering I'm the one that's that's stating this is what's so in my life in terms of my life of form that I'm living in. And when I'm more and more led toward just a knowing, of course I always have everything I need. Of course, even if it's at the 11th hour and 59th minute. Whatever we need to happen, happens like that. Crazy fire alarm stopped instantly when we started filming. Who would have guessed? I was even amazed myself.
2: I was smiling as you were telling the story because I've I've seen variations on that circumstance where you just, you know what, I'm not going to worry about this. It's not going to, you know, uh, because you show up with all the cameras and all all of the props and so excited to, to do this again. And then you have this annoyance, and then you just you shift it into a place. Well, there's nothing I can do. It's going to be where it's going. It's what it's going to be. And, and this, it makes the, sense the place that
1: it I know I shifted into, and I'm sure all the other people did too, is this is going to work out just fine. It's well, great. when you really believe that, that's your instruction to the quantum field. It's like all this is going to be fine. Well, then whatever it is that has to happen to make all of this be fine is what's gonna happen, and we don't have to worry about the details about how that happens. We just have to know the more I develop that automatic response to things is, somehow I'm cared for, somehow I'm listened to, somehow this is all gonna work out in a positive way. It's the being grounded more and more in that, as you might say, my default position That's what I'm telling the quantum field, and that's what I'm going to get. And I don't have to say specifically, please stop the fire alarm. All I have to do is know, you know what, this is all going to be fine. Mm -hmm. And so it is.
2: And so it is. Remember
1: that, and I'm not a biblical scholar, but there's a phrase in Isaiah, I think, that says, let not the words that issue forth out of my mouth return unto me void. In other words, that's mm. not a request. That's a statement that says, Whatever I put out there is what happens. Yeah. Pretty smart for a long time ago. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it was so I I've always remembered that my mother always had that quote copied and she kept it in the drawer of her bedside night table next to her side of the bed.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: For some reason, that was a very important thing to her, so I remember seeing that when I was a little girl. That and you was... felt
2: the importance of it yourself? Yeah. Or did it just feel important to her?
1: Well, it was important to her, but, I mean, after I got to be a certain age, I knew what it meant. And okay. I already, as, you know, as I didn't have to get to be too old before I got it that, whatever I said was going to happen, happened. I remember in right before I went to college, now the reason I did this was not an admirable reason. I mean I was still into getting my way kind of thing, but I remember writing a list. Okay, these are all the things that I'm going to accomplish while I'm in college. I'm going to do this and this and win this and run from this and you know get (laughs) awarded for this or whatever. And then I just stuck that in a drawer and didn't pay any attention to it. And by the time I graduated from college, all but one of those things had happened. (laughs) But by that time, I was used to making a list and saying, okay, this is what's gonna happen. I didn't know that I was learning very early on to instruct the quantum field. I just realized somehow this works. You just say this is gonna happen, and I believed it, and it happened, and then of course that more and more and more reinforces itself. Mm-hmm. So that you begin to have great faith after a while, and if, this is, if I say this is going to happen, it does. You know, the details may vary a little bit, but even a lot of times the details don't vary. So we've got to be very, very, very clear mm-hmm. about how we're informing the unmanifest to show up as our world, because it will, faithfully, always, and exactly. Exactly. And so it's our responsibility to think, like you were talking about, who do I want to have driving this bus? I don't want my ego mind driving this bus. I want something that's loving. I want something that's divine. I want something that takes into consideration what's the good for everything, not just... Because if it's going to be only about just me... Since I am not just me, I'm making this not be about in my own best interests. So it's not that I'm being sacrificial when I want to let go of my own personal interests, but I'm not a personal something or another. (laughs) I am the whole. So if I'm operating on behalf of the whole, I'm operating on behalf of myself, kind of capital S, who I really am. Yes. Which is point, and my guidance is always going to speak on behalf of the capital S wholeness that we are, and its purpose, of course, is our healing, so that we continue to know more and more and more and experience mm-hmm. I am that whole, mm-hmm. because what needs to be healed other than the idea that I'm not whole? So, guidance is our best friend. As we move toward that more direct experience of our wholeness, which who wants to avoid that? That's the place where we're all going to end up. Thankfully, it's,
2: absolutely. Well, you do a, bu- a brilliant job in the DVD of moving through these concepts in the mm-hmm. way that you that I've you know grown accustomed for you. It's always so digestible, and the participants certainly add and you you devote some time to the untrained mind and the counsel of the ego and how everybody's so stuck on thinking more, better, and faster when the idea is to really distance yourself from those thoughts so that you can truly create with love and um, the desire for that wholeness.
1: Exactly. Well, we're excited about the series, and by the time we finish our eighth DVD, which we're working on right now, Mm-hmm. The animations are all finished for the eighth one because our animator is gone in the summertime. He uh, teaches at a some place that's fairly remote, but he has neither the time nor the horsepower of the Internet there to get these video. These Sometimes these videos take days to send us uh, the videos of the animations. So yeah. we had to carve out time from doing number seven to get all the animations for number eight done, So now we're into eight, and that big chunk of it is already done, which is exciting. But when we have all eight DVDs, and each DVD has an accompanying master class, which means that we've got another little group of people, not the ones in the DVD class, but another little group of people who watch the video, then we bring them together, and we film them as they make comments, as they put the ideas into practice. As they just come together with the energy in the room and those are all from an hour to an hour and a half long and we just finished filming the eighth one of those last Sunday so it will not be long before those are edited in which case we will have eight DVDs eight accompanying master classes that add a lot more information to the DVDs Mm -hmm. so never again should anybody be stuck saying, I don't know what this course says or what it's about or what I do with it, and it's just Greek to read. It's like now there should be the most comprehensive way to really know what this course says of anywhere. In other words, there just cannot ever be a reason again for not knowing what to do with this, It's just from my
2: no, I, I agree because one of the original notes I wrote, and I have, I don't know, nine pages of notes here, um, but the first page I set to the side because I was just jotting thoughts down and not, not really bringing a, um, making a list of topics, but the mm-hmm. thought that I wrote was that um, I had a conversation yesterday with a dear listener, I won't mention her by name, hello, um, but they found the course to be complicated, and uh-huh. many, many do. so Of course. So my thought about the DVD set, and so I want to encourage all the listeners to get this DVD set, and this is why. No matter how familiar you are with the course, I know you might be drawn to topics such as thought and guidance. However, if you're drawn to learn more about what Carol and I are talking about, if you were to get the course and just study it, that would be wonderful. But if you were to get the course and use this DVD set to accompany your study, it will not nearly be as complicated as you perceive it to be because the ego tells you it's complicated. Listening to Carol and and looking at the models that she builds to illustrate what our minds do to us, this is what gets you over that hurdle and allows you to immerse yourself in understanding what the course is about, what it's for, and what it says. And then you can reapproach the course in whether you study alone or in a group with a lot deeper understanding of what it is you're trying to accomplish.
1: Does that sound... There's no doubt about that, and we've gotten just astounding feedback from people who feel like they've tried for years and years and years and years and just couldn't seem to make much headway in what to do with it, and now all the pieces fall into place. Somebody said, I've studied for I don't know how long, and I felt like I'd moved about an inch, and I watched these and I just felt like I moved miles. You know, so over and over and over we hear this. So yes. we we know that it we know that it works to to make it a clearer, more obvious message so that we can actually embrace it and put it into practice in our lives, which of course yes. is the whole point.
2: And integrate the wisdom. I read that quote on your website, Carol, which looks terrific. And um, real quick before I tell everybody about the website, I have you, we have segments together on DVD 5, 6, and 7. At, at some point after you finish 8 and wrap up all the um, minute details that you need to do, would you like to come back so we can complete 1 through 4 so that you have an audio segment to accompany these as well?
1: Sure, that would be great.
2: Okay. Well, the website again looks terrific. If you would like to buy These DVDs, one through seven, are now available. Eight will be coming out soon. Go to seehowlifeworks.com. There is a promotional code that you can put in to receive a discount, and that would be SPICE10, and that's S-P-I-C-E. It's kind of like Spicer, but not. That was cute, Carol. SPICE10 is the promo, promo code, and you can receive a discount on your purchase. And don't forget that Never Forget to Laugh. Carol's biography of her dear friend, Dr. Bill Thetford, co-scribes the course, is also available, and that is a must-read as well. Carol, would you like to leave the audience with a final thought before we go?
1: Well, I think the final thought is don't underestimate your own wisdom, your own brilliance, your own talent, your own divinity, because that's what we have underestimated, that's what we have become blind to, and that's now what we're being led to awaken to with our guidance taking us by the hand. So it's like, allow ourselves to be led. Allow ourselves to say, walk my feet, hold my hand. I realize my ego is not my friend. You are, don't let go of my hand. And I won't let go of yours, I would say.
2: I love it. And that matches the illustration on the cover. Yeah, The DVD package. <laughs> it sure does. It's the, a, a bright light holding the hand of the human being, which is beautiful. Yes. Hold that hand and follow it as if your eyes are closed. And all will be well. All will be
1: Absolutely. well.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely so much, Carol, for coming back and having fun with me talking about A Course in Miracles and your fantastic DVD set.
1: It's always my pleasure. I appreciate that.
2: Okay, well, right, I will my talk dear. to you. Give me a call as soon as number eight is finished,
1: and we'll do it again. All right, my dears. Talk to you soon.
2: Okay, Carol. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. That
1: concludes
2: our discussion about Volume 7, See How Guidance Works. Again, the website is SeeHowLifeWorks.com. Carol M. Howe, brilliant teacher and a close personal friend of Bill Stefford, who helped scribe and edit the course so she knows what she's talking about for sure. Until next time, God bless and be at peace.